0: Welcome to This Crip Life, a place where you can meet disabled people and learn about the things that affect them. This is an Asheville FM podcast produced by DIY Able. welcome back, everyone, to this Crip Life. Today, I am so excited to have Cassie Wilson. She started a nonprofit that she started ages ago to inform people about accessibility in music venues. Welcome, Cassie. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm
1: Cassie. I uh, I live in. Boring, Oregon, which is like 40 minutes outside of Portland. And yeah, I'm the founder of Half Access and I'm
0: disabled. Okay, thank you. Thank you for letting us know that. Um, so how, can you tell us a little bit about what Half Access is?
1: Yeah, so I started Half Access in 2017 and uh, for most of its existence so far, it's been a database of detailed venue accessibility information. So anything from parking to getting in the venue to, like if they post warnings about lighting or things like that. And so just as much detail as we can provide to people. So that way they know what to expect before they even buy a ticket to a show um, at a venue that they're not familiar with. And so that's what it's been for most of its existence. And then we're excited to kind of start moving into the next phase of continuing to grow the database but also starting to build relationships with venues and talking to them about what we know about their space and how they can make it better.
0: Yeah, and that's great. And, um, you know, like Cassie and I are both disabled and I, you know, like with DIY Abled, I always am like telling people, hey, when you make your flyers or your Facebook events, right, is it ADA friendly, is it ADA accessible, or is it just not accessible and to always have a contact on there to, so, because as we know, disabilities are all different, so, um, you know so it you know kind of describe like how you came you know how you realize the importance of that yourself like what what your personal experiences that led you to do something like that
1: yeah so when i first started going to shows i didn't really even think about accessibility even though i've been disabled my whole life i It just, it never came up because when I would buy tickets to like a general admission venue, um, you know, there wouldn't even be an option to buy an accessible ticket. So then when I would show up, they'd just be like, okay, cool, have fun. And um, I was never really guided to any accessible viewing areas or anything like that. And at the end of 2016, I had um, a pretty major back surgery. And so when I started going to shows again, in 2017, I was like, okay, maybe I don't want to be front row just to be able to see. Maybe I don't want a whole crowd of people pushing against me when I can't easily turn around to see if there's crowd surfers and things like that. And so I started asking venues, I was like, is there somewhere that I can see and be safe? And the answer was basically no. They had no idea what I was talking about. They had never thought about accessibility before. And so there was this one venue that I had gone to multiple times in the span of like a month or two. And every time I would reach out in advance and I'd be like, you know, I'm coming, like, I would love to be somewhere that I can be safe and see. And they would never, they would never accommodate me. And so then eventually I gave up on asking the venue and I asked the band I was seeing instead. And they accommodated me without, any issue. And so it made me realize, okay, this is just, you know, a much bigger issue. And I started posting on social media about my experiences and realized that most people had no idea what I was going through in order to go to shows. And so, and through that, I also started um, connecting with other disabled people across the country and even the world and um, realized that this was an issue everywhere. And so I was like, okay, like we got to do something about this. And I think, you know, the idea of the database came from just like, like you were saying, like a lot of times there's just no information out there about what a venue is like and the anxiety of going to a venue for the first time and not knowing what to expect is just, (laughs) it's overwhelming. And it's also just unfair. Other people get to be excited to go to a show because they don't have to worry about it. And we have to worry instead of getting to be excited.
0: Um, I always talk about how inaccessibility burdens disabled people and how non-disabled people are not really, don't, they don't experience these burdens. And so one of the burdens is, yeah, you get a show and you should just, the really the reaction was like, oh my God, I have a ticket to the show and I cannot wait to see this band. But when you're disabled, you're like, will I be able to get in there? Will there be a space that I can, watch the span safely without someone jumping on falling on me or stuff like that and um so yeah the inaccessibility of a venue is really a burden on disabled people and it's so common like the way the venue dealt with you because i just think we haven't even though the ada did pass in 1990 which was 31 years ago now, um, you would think that people, because you know, as far as race and gender and being LGBTQ, it is absolutely unacceptable to not allow those people, people that identified like that to, you know, what would happen if someone said, oh, you're a person of color, you're LGBTQ, you're a woman. You can't, you can't come in here, sorry. You know, people would go insane. But when a disabled person is like, uh, can I get in? Can I park? Can I do this? You know, the apology is what's there or just like with the venue you dealt with, they were probably like, uh, this girl's calling us again. Why can't she just leave us alone? Whereas when you reach out to a band, they want you to see them. So they're like, yeah, we're going to accommodate you because we want you to see our, see us. And like where a venue is like, it's a pain in the neck for them. So they're like, uh you have to do something for this person. So, and I feel like because of the society, the way we have dealt with disability rights and disabled people, we, as disabled people accept, we don't even think about accessibility. You know, like it took a surgery and possibly you being afraid to get hurt where you started thinking about it. And for me, it was just, I'm in a band and like, I'm like, I have to play these shows. So it's like, if it's in a basement downstairs, someone's gonna have to carry me down those stairs. And-
1: Exactly.
0: And, and I, you know, like the way I, and so like, I just didn't even think about saying at first to this DIY scene, like, hey, you know, I'm in a wheelchair and, you know, expect to carry me down the stairs, expect to lift me up the stairs. And if I don't have to, maybe you should buy some wood, build a ramp, or do something like that just to make it accessible. But then I started thinking about the community of people, music lovers or any kind, art lovers or anything. Disabled people are also art lovers and music lovers. So, so yeah, I just feel like we live in this society where they're, we're being told, don't expect us to accommodate you. And we accept that. And then when we kind of have this aha moment about it, then we approach people and some people are like, no, you're being a pain in my neck. And then some people are like, yeah, we, of course we want you to come. So, so yeah, I just think um, for me, I feel like, and I feel this is what you're doing too, is you're informing while we have the ADA and that is our legal rights, I feel that's our, you know, pocket in our back, you know, card in our back pocket to be like, hey, you need to let me in here because so like dot, dot, dot. So I feel like talking to the community and changing the culture and community is actually like very important to create the legal changes we need. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite quotes is actually uh, from the end of Crip Camp, when Denise is saying, yeah, like, passing a law only does so much until, you know, people's minds and attitudes change. And I just, I mean, the amount of times I've been to venues, like, there was this venue that it ended up getting shut down because it was falling apart, but it was built in like 1890. And I would go there and I'd just be like, I can't believe like architecture from 1890 is affecting me in like 2019 or whatever I was just like this is so frustrating to me and that's what a lot of people don't realize is the ADA is so young too that most things were built before it and then all of the loopholes in it don't help because they're just like well it costs too much and they just don't try or I feel like too the second anyone brings up accessibility like people just run because they're like it must cost money and it's like I mean, the same venue that made me start Half Access ended up getting a full new staff for other reasons. And somebody on that staff was like, hey, we can just like use this area up towards the front of the stage and make it an accessible area. And it works great. And all they had to do was tape off a section of the floor. And it's just, it, it was so easy for them and, you know, no cost. And it's just, I I wish people wouldn't run when they heard, you know, calls for accessibility.
0: Yeah, because you know, in the ADA, for people that don't know the ADA, businesses are supposed to legally make it accessible for anyone, but unless they have a burden of cost. And that just seems to be what businesses always jump to, even if the burden of cost isn't really there. Like maybe it will be, 30 bucks to do something. And that's not a burden, you know, for a business, that's not a cost burden. Whereas like, you know, if you accommodate someone for work and you need to put an elevator in a building, that could be a burden of cost because that will cost, I don't know, $30,000, something like that. So yeah, like, but not everything is a burden of cost. So
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on like how we change the, uh, the culture to include disability culture like what are your thoughts how do you think what do you think about that
1: I don't know I mean I think I think storytelling is really powerful I think people like you and me talking about our experiences and like even like you know before I started half access when I was just like posting pictures of my view at shows on social media and people were like oh, that's what the venue considers to be accessible and it's, you know, just the back of a bunch of people's heads and, um, and so I think, I think there's a lot of power in sharing our stories and just connecting with the people in the community around us because a lot of people are just totally oblivious and I think, um, I think just yeah sharing our stories is powerful and I think too like I mean a lot of venues aren't accessible for musicians but I just think about like the like I just wish growing up that I had seen people like me on stage because I just think that would have made all the difference and I think that would bring more disabled people out to shows and I don't know I just think I don't know I think people need to especially as things are opening back up stop and consider who wasn't even able to make it out before the pandemic and I don't know I just I think people are always in a rush and always on to the next thing and I think some consideration for the fact that everybody deserves to enjoy live music would
0: be nice yeah and you know you know you and I being disabled we know like you know I don't know how much ability you have but I do obviously have enough ability to go to a show but not everybody does and so like one of the things I've been telling a lot of venues is like hey have an online component to your to your shows and you can actually charge money for these and that would be extra money for the businesses and you'd not only be supporting disabled people but Single mothers, parents that, you know, can't because their kids have something to do, but they want to see the show, they could do it from home. And, all right, I'm not people that just have jobs and stuff that prevent them from attending the show because they have to drive an hour there and an hour back or something exactly. like that. Exactly. So it's, yeah. So I'm, I'm like, I'm, I, I'm very like, what have we learned from the pandemic? (laughs) And this is one of the things. So, I mean, have you had any experience, like, you know, we're in this pandemic time, obviously. So, um, hopefully towards the end of it, um, what are some things you've enjoyed? Like as far as online experiences and things like that?
1: I mean, the world has been at my fingertips for the first time in my life and it's, literally been life-changing like especially so before the pandemic uh, my mom used to drive me wherever i needed to go because one i didn't have my license and um two it's not easy for me to get in and out of the car with by myself or with my wheelchair and so um that changed though because my mom's eyesight is not what it used to be. And so I ended up getting my license over the pandemic. And um, you know, now it's like I'm not gonna be able to like our van's not accessible. Like I still won't be able to like I won't be able to go anywhere. And so like you said, live streams are huge and just um I mean, I personally like ended up starting to volunteer for a lot of different like climate justice initiatives and stuff over the um, past few months. And just, yeah, I mean, just all these things that because and because I live like pretty far out of Portland, like a lot of things that I would have never had access to before the pandemic, because that's a lot of driving to go into Portland to access these things like are now just you know, I can just access from my bedroom and it's, it's been life-changing.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think one of the things we can have, you know, as disabled people, like, like for me, I'm like, you know, I get a lot of chronic pain from nerve damage and stuff. And I'm like, when the pandemic came and I started watching all these shows, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. I don't have to figure nav- have to figure out navigating a space that's not really accessible for me in my wheelchair. And then if I'm in pain, then I'm like, Ugh, I'm in pain <laughs> I have to sit here for a million years for the band to start or people to get out of my way. So I feel like, you know, this pandemic has really increased our independence as disabled people because now all of a sudden venues are venues and people showing movies and doing book readings or anything that people wanna do, they're like doing it online because that's the only way they could do it. But at the same time, disabled people are like, oh yeah, this is awesome, I can actually do this. So I think that's something that's great that, and hopefully, fingers crossed, that we know when things do really start opening up businesses and venues and stuff will keep this in mind you know and offer this as absolutely
1: an yeah and I think it sets a precedent because it's it's a lot of things that disabled people have been calling for for years and now they prove that it can happen overnight and um yeah and I think too like the other thing about it is it's like there was something really nice about the fact that we were all in the same position. Like Mm -hmm. I felt fully included because it wasn't like, like while there are definitely like access barriers, even in online spaces, like, I think just the fact that we were all, like just the barriers were so far reduced that it was just like, wow, I can, I can fully participate in meetings or whatever, and it just, it was really empowering, honestly, and so I just try not to even think about things opening back up, because I'm so scared, but I, I do hope that the precedent that was set, like, really makes people think about at least having, like, hybrid options for things.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I, I feel like a lot of non-disabled people are probably be like, oh, you know, you know, like, just okay for so employment so getting a job like for me because my pain got bad i you know i had to work from home i couldn't structure my life to fit into nine or get to a job by ten and you know and i would be like well i can't come in into ten but can i come in at one and they'd be like no 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 sorry we'll just find someone that can come in when we want and so And then they wouldn't let me work from home either because they were like, oh, you're gonna cheat cheat and lie about your hours and stuff like that. But then after the pandemic and people who had to work from home, they actually started noticing people were actually more productive working from home. So like this myth that we have, if we let people work from home, they're just gonna slack off and not really work. It's a myth, right? So, and the pandemic pretty much prove that to all of us. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, the hope is like, we all learn this, like, not just even for going to shows, but everything, employment and all the stuff, we, doctor's appointments and everything. Yes. So yeah, so, so it's not just going to shows either. It is, there are a lot of things that can be done online. And I feel like everybody's kind of saying, hey, oh my gosh like oh we can actually use the technology we have in a positive way instead of doing all this weird stuff we were doing before the pandemic
1: with technology so absolutely and I think it's like people's knowledge and just the technology itself has evolved so much in the past year because uh, or even just the way to go about things because in 2019 actually like half access like we held like an online music festival mm-hmm. and we had never really seen like someone else do that necessarily and so like we held it on like different social media platforms and things like that and then you know come to find out a year later it's like okay i guess we were a little bit ahead of things um but it's like, okay, cool. Now we have a lot to learn. Cause like, you know, that's something we're excited to still do after the pandemic and almost especially after the pandemic if mm-hmm. if people slow down on doing live streams, you know being able to still encourage that and promote that. And so I'm excited for what we can learn from how other people have done things over the past year. Cause before there just wasn't a lot to learn from.
0: Yeah. And what's also great about it is all the platforms like the YouTubes and the Facebooks and the Instagrams and all this are like now trying, they're all trying to support the live streaming and all that kind of stuff. So I just think that, I don't know. I just think it's, you know, I'm not happy that the pandemic came in a certain way. I don't, don't want people to die and get sick, but on the positive end, for the environment, it's been spectacular. And and for disabled people, it's spectacular. So, you know, so, and those are just two of the things. I'm sure there's other things, other positives that have come out of the pandemic. Um, So I wanna go back to like what you were talking about, half access. Um, the information you're giving people in your database about the accessibility. You mentioned parking and probably ramps and stuff like that. But one of the things you mentioned was like the lighting. And so I want to talk about that because we always think about a disability as a person in a wheelchair or, you know, or someone with a limp or something like that. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit of, accessibility of all disabilities for venues for movies and media and like the you know the things that affect disabled people in those environments
1: yeah absolutely as as somebody who does yeah have like a easily noticeable disability like that's something that's super important to me is making sure that um i'm not just focused on mobility disabilities um my friend Ellie actually runs a nonprofit called Lead DIY, and they, um, you know, created these different signs for venues. So it's like, we're using safe lighting during this show because Ellie has epilepsy. And so Mm -hmm. like, obviously strobe, we all know strobe lights, very dangerous, which honestly, even as somebody who doesn't have any conditions that would be triggered by them, it makes it very difficult to see and move around. And it just is very overwhelming. And then just other fast moving lights too. And so like being able to be like, this show is using safe lighting or this show might not be so safe or this is going to be dangerous um, is really important. And um, also just other sensory sensory related disabilities, like having somewhere that if people need to step away from everything going on for a little bit, that they can do that without like getting kicked out. Or it's like a lot of venues will be like, no re-entry. And it's like, You know sometimes people just need to take a breath and be away from all of the noise and commotion and um, just making sure that accessibility is comprehensive is really important.
0: Yeah definitely and you know so when we were doing you know justice for disability we do have to think of people with sensory issues and even me like I've been to shows where I like I have to this, this is a little overwhelming for me and I don't even have any sensory disabilities Stringing. that affect my senses, sensory, uh, This, what do you call that? Sensory things, <laughs> sensory things. But um, then, you know, we also have blind, low vision, deaf, hard of, you know, low, you know, hard of hearing. So like there's, like disability isn't one thing. So like, I I feel like that's like how we, like inform people of disability culture and get people to start thinking like, oh, yeah, some people are. And then I do notice like people that don't really are not categorized as disabled, but, you know, they maybe they have low, you know, low vision and like they may you mentioned like you're how you're going to include them. They get really excited. They're like, oh, my God. Oh, that's so nice. You thought of me where. I don't know. I just feel like again back to the social thing it's like why a person wouldn't immediately be like um, I have low you know whatever low vision I'm you know or I'm blind and I need assistance you have to you know provide that for me or is it okay for me with these certain dis-? and that's why you should always have contact information because you can't predict a person's disability so
1: Exactly. Yeah. I feel like, cause even though, so like our website has like, yeah, like a crowdsource, like submission form that anyone can submit info to, but we actually have like an even longer list of questions that we're sending to venues directly. Cause like, I'm like, I want to know door widths because sometimes doors are too narrow for my wheelchair and it's like you know that's not something that somebody just going to a show is going to be like yeah let me just pull out my tape measure real quick <laughs> yeah. and so I mean yeah we have like an endless list of of questions because and I'm sure that it'll keep growing because everyone's needs are different and I think too something you were starting to get at is just like yeah I mean like disability is a spectrum too because like I have friends who like, you know, some days they need to use their cane and some days they don't and how they're treated on the days that they use their cane versus when they don't is so dramatically different because people just view disability as this one thing. And I think too, it's like, just again, the lack of representation in in media, I think is a big part of it because that's where a lot of people learn or it's, you know, just lack of diversity in the people around you too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like the media, I you know, I like have made it a hobby. I've always done this, like I, I always watch TV shows and I always think socially how you know it's affecting people. So then of course when I became disabled, I really pay attention to disabled characters in media and you know, and it's always portrayed as someone that you know that you know, you feel sorry for because they need assistance instead of, oh, they need assistance so they can do that. And there's nothing wrong with needing assistance, but we're supposed, we're supposed to be ashamed of needing assistance or ashamed of needing accommodations when everybody needs accommodations. It's exactly. not it's not just disabled people, but when we accommodate other people, it's considered, you know, people don't think about it, but you know, we always like think about disabled people like, oh, they're gonna, like if someone had, I, I had a spinal cord injury, so they always show spinal cord injury people as like, they're gonna become drug addicts. They're gonna be depressed. And that does happen. It does. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. And I actually don't even know how common it is, like percentage wise. So I do understand why we have to prevent that from happening to people. But at the same time, why not have a story about that, that that doesn't happen to a disabled person? Yeah. And even
1: just like, yeah, like literally take any just generic storyline and just substitute in a disabled person and like, just let it be, you know, because I feel like, yeah, like you're saying, like it either goes like, it's a super negative thing or on the other end, it's like, it has to be inspiring for the
0: non-disabled people watching. And it's like,
1: ugh, can't we just exist?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you know, the whole idea of inspiration porn. I always get tired of the inspiration porn conversation, but I, you know, because I feel like humans get inspired by each other, and that's how, you know, like the rights movement, if people weren't inspiring each other, that it just wouldn't have happened. But it's when people are using, you know, when corporations or political parties try to use inspiration for anybody, not even just disabled people, just poor black people or a woman, a single mother, that's like, you know, doesn't have, you know, they always like frame things as like, oh, feel sorry for this person. And then, you know, the story is like, then they conquered and they succeeded. Don't we feel really happy for them? So yeah, so so I'm not really against the idea of inspiration because I do think it is something that humans are drawn to, but when it's being used to manipulate people, that's when, you know, that's when it's really bad in my opinion. So.
1: Yeah, that or it's just like where the focus of the story is placed. If it's like how inspiring that the employee accommodated the disabled person instead of the real story being like why isn't the place accessible <laughs> or, you know, things like that. That's yeah, exactly. I remember seeing stuff like that on the news growing up where it's like, wow, look what this non-disabled person did. And it's like, yeah, like I I get that. But like, you know, if, if things were accessible, then we wouldn't have this problem. And um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. I think inspiration is powerful
0: just when it's placed right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's just like, and then, you know, about the other thing, it's like, you know, people getting inspired because you're using a wheelchair, you're oh, somehow navigating something that's inaccessible. And they're like, oh, that's so great you did that. But yeah, like, so that's another thing. It's like, don't be inspired because, you know, you haven't figured out how to make this some sort of universal design for everybody to be able to access a store a venue, uh, whatever it is. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's like, I understand when disabled people are like, it's not my problem, it's your problem. You need to make this more accessible, which is true. And I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm hoping that the pandemic is like gonna really help change things for us, not even just for employment, for housing, for all these things, so we can live as independently as possible.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. I think, again, the precedents that were set, like, I just think, I don't know, I just hope that, like, because I think part of what the pandemic did, at least for me in my life, was, like, kind of hit the reset button for a minute and, I just hope that, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of people will just go back to like as if nothing happened, but I hope that most people will take a pause and think about like, you know, like I know there's been this conversation of like normal before wasn't good enough. and, um, And I think just keeping that in mind as things open back up and just always thinking about how we can make our communities better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I same with you. I do think, I think the whole world needed a pause, and unfortunately, this is the way it got paused. But um, I'm, you know, I'm fifty three, so like I lived through the seventies, the eighties, and the nineties, and I so I've actually seen like I lived in a world where there was no internet, and we like and younger kids are oh, always like, how did you? do this and how did you and i you know like my partner and i were the that i'm in the band with we always like talk about like how did this happen like how did like we all get connected and have the scene that like that that really did grow and it there was no internet but we somehow connected through phone calls and stuff like that And I don't know, I think it's pretty amazing. I don't know. I'm like, when I think about like the 90s and the 80s and the 70s and how bands kind of connected and toured and figured stuff out, I'm like, it's mind blowing to me because like younger kids are like, I do not know how you even functioned. And I'm like, I know, I, I don't know how it happened either, but it did for some reason, sir. Absolutely, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's just like, to me, I'm just like, whoa. So yeah, but at the same time, and I have to say, because I think I was older and kind of grew up in a generation, like a lot of the technology that was being thrown. So like, back to why I even started talking, now I remember why I was talking about that. I'm a very circular conversationalist. So like, um, you know, before technology, you know, because I was alive before that, all well, that existed as it got presented to me, I was very like, uh, whatever, and uh, and then you know, like with those Facebooks and stuff like that, I'm I don't use it that much because I just you know it's just too distracting, and I just want to be productive, so I don't get you know sucked into it as much and but then you know when the pandemic one of the things I learned is like I mean this technology that I've really been pushing away and kind of thinking negatively about is actually a positive thing because it really does help the disabled community and not just the disabled community it helps every you know it helps every kind of person like be able to do things when maybe They only have half an hour to do something or they don't want to drive across town to a work meeting or, you know, like so many different things. So I, I, you know, like I feel like during the pandemic, I've learned to embrace technology when before I was just like, it's ruining us. It's ruining us. (laughs) I mean, I do still think it's ruining, ruining us on a certain level, but I also do see the positive elements of it now.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I feel like it does take a lot of control, though, to make it like stay a positive thing, because it's such a slippery slope sometimes. But I think, you know, there's enough ways that you can like tailor your own experience to like be what you want it to be. And it's, yeah, I I super love like technology allowing me to like connect with disabled people like across the country and across the world. And, you know, f- have like the same deep level of friendship with them as I have with my friends who live closer and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I have to admit to you, I never made friends with people online through like social media. It was always like, you know, they'd have to be physically around me. Like I actually made a couple of friends. Like it was the first time in my life I like made friends in that way. And I was just like, wow, this is kind of cool, and I don't know I don't know if we meet maybe if we meet personally we won't want to be friends anymore. I have no idea, but it's kind of cool to just have you know a group of online friends and then I made a lot of disabled friends during the pandemic, which you know Same. i'm really I'm really psyched about because like the one thing I always talk about disability rights it's like you know when you're a person of color, you usually are living around other people of color, not always, but you know, like if you're in a black or Latin neighborhood, you're surrounded by that culture. And so you guys can talk about what's not going right, what is going right, but there is no disabled neighborhood. (laughs) It's like, you know, disability, you can be a racist or not a racist and be disabled. You could, you know, it doesn't really matter what your belief system is you could still be disabled. So I i just, that's the one other thing I love about the pandemic is connecting with all these disabled people that I would have never connected with if this didn't happen.
1: Exactly,
0: and I feel like
1: too, especially like, I feel like there were so many parts of the pandemic that were like so hard as a disabled person just because of like the ableism that came with, like people not caring about it. And that's how I actually like, became like closer with like one of now my best friends and just started a whole group chat of disabled people because it's just like we all just yeah I mean we all like suddenly weren't able to go out and socialize and so I think it was interesting you know for a lot of us we normally would have just gone to shows and like seen all of our normal friends and um, not having that we started to substitute it with things we probably never would have done and so it's just like I don't know getting in a virtual room with a bunch of disabled people that live everywhere else is like the most refreshing feeling in the world because it's just like finally like I'm around people who like get it and I don't have to explain it we can just be and it's it's like the best feeling.
0: It is. I totally agree with you. So let me ask you this. So because we are disabled, do you think we were able to transition to the pandemic? You know, like you and I can go to shows, which is, you know, fortunate for us with our ability. But then when the pandemic happened, I felt like it wasn't really that hard for me to start doing stuff online. And in fact, I loved it I was like oh my god this is so cool I can go to this I can do this (laughs) yeah I I don't know so what do you what are your thoughts on that do you think it was easier being disabled to do this transition I mean yeah I think
1: being disabled makes me so much more easily adapt to any new situation like because it's just like I'm constantly adapting it's like especially I also have a form of dwarfism. So being short, I'm always like, okay, how do I reach this thing? Like I'm always like problem solving just in my daily life. And so I think, you know, when it came to just, okay, you have to be at home. Okay. Like that's just, you know, it's just what it is. And you just kind of make the best of situations and, you know, growing up having lots of surgeries and things like that. It's just like life, life, puts you in different circumstances. And so I think it definitely prepared me to just, okay, you have to stay at home and make the best of it. It's like, okay, I'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, so I, yeah, I love that because I I feel the same way. Like when it happened I I just think we're always put in this position of like I want to do something and I'll just have to figure out how to do it, because you know the world doesn't think you know people don't think about accessibility when they're planning events and stuff like that. So yeah, I just I I totally agree with you. I think we're always in this problem solving, thinking out of the box type of mindset, and yeah. So when the pandemic came, I think we transitioned pretty well. I'm very proud of us. Yes. Go disabled people. So yes. Oh, well, let me talk about half access. So what, so what, what's going, what are what are your plans moving forward? What do you have any plans? Any music festivals? Oh my God. I love the online music festival idea. I think that would be so fantastic. So yeah, share what half access is going to be doing. I see you have a board of people and that's really awesome so i was really happy to see that
1: yeah so um so the rest of this year yeah we've got our summer panel series coming up as you know since you're on yeah. one of the panels <laughs> and um and then we're also going to be um hopefully this year finally launching our volunteer program because that will <laughs> grow our capacity and people power and knowledge like immensely. And so hopefully we'll finally be taking on volunteers for the first time. And then um, we're also really excited to work on continuing to create different resources, which I think we're going to do like in the form of zines. And so we're going to make like a zine for fans and like how can like people like how can fans like make shows more accessible like and then also for like artists and for venues and like booking agents and like all these different groups of people who all have some sort of effect on um how accessible shows are and so we're gonna yeah focus a lot on resource creation this year and then yeah next year we're excited to as more disabled people are getting more comfortable going back to shows, assuming everything keeps getting better, um, you know, we're excited to explore more like storytelling and like having disabled people document their experiences going to shows so we can like share those out and show like what good experiences are like and what bad experiences are like and just um, really continue to bring awareness to the problem because that's a lot of the issue is people just not realizing, and so continuing to uplift disabled people's experiences, both from the crowd perspective and from the stage perspective, and um, yeah, and hopefully, yeah, we might next year we might do another online festival. Who knows? Um, yeah, still gotta still gotta figure it out, but I'm sure we'll definitely do more things like that in the future. Because especially like as a you know, national and even kind of international um, organization, since people can submit venues from anywhere to our database. um, It's not like the virtual thing is nice, because it doesn't matter where you're from, you can still participate and watch. So yeah, I'm sure we'll be
0: we'll be doing lots more online. Yeah, no, I'm so I, I am really excited about what you do, because I, I do think it's so important, like, we do have laws, but those laws aren't, like you said, from the end of Crip Cap. the laws aren't going to change till the attitudes of people change. And that's really when we'll see real change. And then, you know, people will elect politicians because they'll start thinking like if politicians, you know, it would be great to get to a place where politicians, when they're listing the group of minorities, they actually talk about disabled people too. (laughs) Yeah, Like I always, I'm like, they didn't say disability. Yep. Yeah. Like they're like race and LGBTQ and women. And then they like move on to the next thing. I'm like, oh, you failed, you failed. So right, I'm really super excited about that. And I really do hope Joe Biden does something because I, I always tell people, Joe Biden has a disability. He stuttered as a child and he overcame a stutter, which is great, but he's still disabled because people that have stuttering just figure out how to overcome it. It's, you know, that disability is still there. So I hope Chauvin comes to terms with his internalized ableism. And like starts being like, yeah, I'm disabled too. So yes, we need to we need to include these people and stuff like that. So agreed. Yeah. It, it it kills me every time I, you know, I
1: like I had the chance to talk to like my state senator in a in a town hall and he was like, I mean, I've worked with senior citizens and I'm like, so you don't get it.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's just um that's like you know the perspective we need to change is that people are you know like i think ageism also feeds into that because because we're like so deathly afraid of aging and dying and disability is tied into that because of course everybody will experience disability because they will age and something will happen to their body and
1: and you know, weirdly too, the way ageism intersects with just like being a young disabled person and not being believed because how are young people disabled? It's like, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. So no, that's so true. And there are, of course, there's a ton, millions and millions of young disabled people. So yeah, it's just like my my goal is to kind of change this vision of what we see dis- disability like, like I really want to break these stereotypes that we have of, oh, they're old and they're disabled, but this person's young and like, what's, and you know, they don't believe you when you say, oh, you know, I can't do, and they're like, what do you mean? Why can't you, what's wrong with you? So yeah, I'd like it to be like, oh, I'm sorry. How can I help you? How can I help you get that done? Or how can I help you be a part of this, you know, so. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, okay. I don't know. I think I'm going to end here, Cassie, because I don't really know what else to say. I mean, I could literally talk to you for six hours. Probably. I'm sure we could. <laughs> I'm sure we could. And this, and that, and that, and that. Thank you so much for listening to This Crip Life. It's so wonderful for me when I meet disabled people that create a world for themselves even though the world does not think about them. I hope one of the things that we learn from the pandemic is that we need to create a more accessible world. And with the technology we currently have, there is no reason we can't include disabled people in everything we do. Thanks so much, everyone. Talk to you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of This Crip Life. If you like what you hear, please consider donating at DIYAble.com. And remember, disabled people are people.